Arthur Smith, what a brilliant releasing of a book because you are giving us the inside of your journey. Oh, thank you, Errol. I appreciate that. I mean, it's like you give yourself permission to take chances. Those chances become what we're talking about at the water cooler. You learn from it. And uh, and I believe things are meant to be. But, uh, you know, I believe we make our good fortune. Everything that's happened to me is usually by when I've extended myself. Not that I haven't been blessed with a lot of good luck and, and, and all the other things you need to be successful. But I believe you have to put yourself out there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, it's 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 been a great you know, journey writing this book because when I when I wrote it, I saw this through line, and it, and it started when I was very young. Um, I grew up as a very shy kid, uh, um, and uh, my parents were worried about me. And um, and uh, but something happened to me when I when I was very young, when I was nine years old. And I'll tell the story. I tell the story in the book. I'm going to teasing a little bit, but it changed my life. It, it changed who I was, and I went from this, you know, this shy kid to this outgoing producer somehow, and. Um, you know, it's been I've, been I've been blessed in order to get there. You had to have leaders that believed in your efforts as a creative mind, because, I mean, like I said, you, you take chances that other people may think about, but they don't activate it. No, it's true. I mean, you'll, you listen, it's always easier to reach uh, when you're reaching from a strong foundation. And for me, that was my parents. And, you know, my, I had, a, had an amazing mom and dad and um you know they I, I believe when you tell a kid that uh, or you or you tell a kid or treat a kid like he's special they start to think that they are and they gave me the confidence to go out there and reach and like i said i had a number of experiences when i was younger that led me to believe in this power of reach but along the way i've had some unbelievable mentors we all have to have mentors who mm-hmm. reach and help you and uh you know dick clark was probably the most important mentor of my life, um, moved me to LA, got me my green card, uh, saw something in me. Um, and, and I wasn't doing entertainment programming when he found me. I was a, I was a sports producer. And I, I started producing and directing when I was very young. And, uh, and, and I wanted to do other things besides sports. I became president of CBC Sports when I was 28. I was the youngest <laughs> head of sports in the history of the network. And I wrote this letter to Dick and I only wrote one letter, which is kind of sounds kind of crazy, but I believe when you narrow the target, you have a better chance of hitting it. Yep. Sometimes it's not the wisest thing to do, but in this case, it worked out. And Dick wrote me back, and he said, "Come to LA and uh, let's get together." And uh, after a two-hour meeting, he said, "I have no idea what to do with you, but I really <laughs> like you." And uh, and then the next day he called me and uh, you know he woke me up. It was in my hotel. It was seven thirty in the morning. Arthur, it's Dick Clark, and I went, "Holy shit, it's Dick Clark!" Oh, God, did I swear? Yeah. I'm not allowed to do That's that. Okay. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you, no, you can. Okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> so anyhow, anyhow, um, you know, uh, and then you know, then a few weeks later he called me and and he and he offered me the job but uh but it you know he was uh, he was a great mentor and, and you're right you need people like that in your life and i learned a lot from him you know working for him and and we stayed friends until he until he passed and even after i left his company we found ways to sometimes work together and sometimes just to um, just to be friends and uh he was he was extremely important and we all need that yeah and, I, and you know what part of this book is or at least this book represents a a chapter in my life where I'm trying to do more to pay it to pay it to pay it forward, mm-hmm. and I'm a, I'm an extremely grateful person. Not as grateful as the man who raised me, my dad, who was the most grateful 
grateful person on the planet. And uh, but I try, and I and and you know one of the great things about running a production company is you get to work with a lot of young people and you mentor a lot of people. We have people who started our company as production assistants who are now executive producers. <laughs> people who worked at our company who are now running networks, and 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 I take so much pleasure in that. And um, you know, listen, the book has some uh, you know a great cast of characters, great stories in there. You know, uh, Magic Johnson, Simon Cowell, they're all in the book. Gordon Ramsay, Dwayne Johnson, Little Richard, uh, Paul Allen, Donald Trump, they're all in the book. <laughs> and they're all stories about them. However, the the through line, I, I like to say it's a memoir with a purpose. Yeah. So the real purpose is to inspire, to entertain people, of course, but it is to inspire people to put themselves out there. And th listen, there's a lot of what I call my success stories, but there's a lot of my failures are in the book too. Yeah. So just because you reach and set your sight on something doesn't make it happen, but you at least get yourself in the game. And I think you said it before. It's like if you you can't analyze too much, and neutral is the worst place to be for me. You have to keep moving. When you work with someone like Dick Clark, and I, first of all, I, I'm fascinated with those that got that close because even the members of Chicago, they, they they speak the same street that you do in the way that it's almost like he taught you don't hoard your talents and skills, share them, get them out there and inspire and empower others. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, Dick was, he was very in tune with um, middle America. Yeah, you know? yeah. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people in LA who, you know, really program for people in LA. Dick was always programming for the whole country, and that's because he was so down to earth. And uh, um, you know, that was the big lesson that I learned from him is you know respect your audience and know who they are and program for them. Um, and um, so yeah, I mean, a lot of the things that that I do at my company were modeled after things that I learned to, with with working for Dick Clark. Well, you know what? So are you. You're, you're, you're very much middle America too because I guarantee that the only reason why I survived the lockdown without going insane was because of Hell's Kitchen teaching me and getting me into my <laughs> own kitchen. And, and you have no idea how many times I sit there and talk about what would Gordon Ramsay say about this? What would he say about this? Oh, he would be all over me for having this. I mean, look at what you've done. Well, it's, you know, I, I was very fortunate to uh, be shown a tape of Gordon Ramsay in 2004, and he was on TV in the UK. Of course, at that time, nobody knew about him in the US. Yeah. He was well known in the UK. He had Michelin starred restaurants. And I saw the tape, and I knew he was special. Um, I didn't love the show that he was doing. I didn't love the format of the show, but I knew Gordon was special. And I actually liked the title of the show that he was doing, because he did a show called Hell's Kitchen, but it was very different than the one we would end up doing. And uh, I went to Fox, and I said, um, this is what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. and you know, this is uh, this is Gordon Ramsay, of course, um, and um, and I had a great executive by the name of Mike Darnell, who who, who uh, supported it, and um, you know we did the show, we built this restaurant, put two kitchens in there, <laughs> and at the time, at the time, there had never been a successful food show on network television, and so my goal was to make it broad, and it's not really a food show. Yes, foodies do like it and everything like that, but it's really a show about aspirations and fulfilling a dream and 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 you know it's interesting you know at that time reality shows at that time in 2004 2005 most of the people who were on the show were all good looking <laughs> and they were all personal trainers and models and yeah. actor wannabes and yes some of them had real jobs but there were people who clearly wanted their 15 minutes of fame the people who came on hell's kitchen 
were authentic. They were real. They were chefs. They were cooks. They were on there to work for Gordon Ramsay. And so, um, so, you know, it was a different breed of casting and, and, uh, um, and so, you know, it was just a great journey and Gordon's like such an amazing, uh, you know, talent and great chef. And, uh, we knew we had something special and, um, and, you know, we just did our 22nd season and, uh, you know, hopefully it'll keep going. When you say yes to creativity, that means that you have to face the hard lessons. How do you make it through the wall of doubt? Because we live in a society where everybody thinks they're famous right now, but they don't. See, that's what I love about this title. And I want a poster of this. Reach. Hard lessons learned. Truths from a lifetime intelligent. That is an inspiration, dude. Well, thank you for that. I mean, um, listen, I, uh, you know, in spite of you know all the things that have happened to me i know that i've been fortunate you have to have a series of breaks and and um but but i you know work ethic is really important when i was in my 20s i didn't have good life balance people talk about life balance and uh i did not i i gave up a lot for this career i you know i worked hard at it you know it's not enough as i said just to reach and make it so um um listen people don't have to do it my way certainly and and maybe i sacrificed too much to get where i where i got to but i do believe like i said in putting yourself out there if you're not going to put yourself out there and take chances it's not going to happen it really doesn't it doesn't you know good luck and these opportunities don't happen because you're you're famous on instagram oh wait a second it can't happen if you're famous (laughs) on instagram i take that back because that's a whole new career you like i i set myself up there on purpose i did i did i really did (laughs) you're right it's changing like all the time it's almost like we're getting very anxious about what's going to be happening with the ais are you looking into that or is it something where it's like okay we need to find some rules here because things are going to really change I, yeah, I'm fascinated by AI. We we played around with it in our as we're developing shows. We played around with things like, like sometimes you know we're like visualizing a set for a show. Well, mm-hmm. we just talk to AI and say, "Hey AI, can you come up with something like this?" <laughs> and it does pretty it does a pretty good job. Not as not as good as the professionals that we use to make our sets, but you know it at least gets them in the ballpark. Sometimes it's better than me drawing something on the back of a napkin and saying, "This is what I want it to look like." I now go to AI and say. Hey, I help me out here. I want to, you know, I want something with a swimming pool and a, and a mansion and a, you know, with a, you know, with a party going on and that scene. Can you, can you do that for me? And like I said, it's better than my, uh, my very awful drives. <laughs> You're brilliant at getting the right host for the right show. I've been with all the hosts on American Ninja and, and I mean, they, they are so into that. And, but, and, and when you watch it and you experience it, their storylines go with that sport and i mean that's what draws me into it and it's a continuation where did you come up with that format well you know when i was first um shown the tape of a show called sasuke in japan um it was airing on g the g4 network which no longer exists and um and you know when i saw the tape what i what i liked uh, immediately was this um you know, um, ordinary people trying to do extraordinary things. Yeah. And usually they failed. Usually they didn't do very well. But they, but it was a plumber. It was a teacher. It was a dental hygienist. And I was like, I was so fascinated that I, that for me, I went back to my thinking when I was doing the Olympics. I've produced three Olympic games. 
And, you know, when you're doing Olympics, you, you try and make people care about the people because mm -hmm. they're watching a sport that they see every four years. And you have to get vested in the character. You have to care about them. And I said, I wonder if we take these everyday people and, you know, really root them in, you know, in story and, and you know, set them up so when they run the course, you really care about them. You know something yep. about them. Yep. Now, there's a lot more to Ninja than just that. But that was a key key element that, that, that I was determined to get into our version of of um, of ninja warrior and um you know as luck would have it uh g4 um you know i i was happy doing the show for g4 never did i think we'd be in our 15th season on, <laughs> on nbc that's completely nuts talk about a reach but you know sometimes when you do good work um good things happen and what happened was is comcast which owns g4 and mm -hmm. e bought nbc universal so me being uh, believing in the power of reach went to nbc along with the head of g4 and said could you just please put our finale of our show on the air as kind of an act of synergy to throw some spotlight on on g4 and and the show never ever thinking that the show would end up on nbc <laughs> it was just a one-off and the show won its time period and uh eventually nbc called me that they called me the next day and said maybe we should do some more and then we kind of split the uh the schedule will have some of it on NBC and some of it on G4. And then NBC said, hey, um, this thing's doing really well. We're going to take the whole thing. And and then the show gets nominated for an Emmy Award. I mean, how crazy is that? You know, and then we get nominated an Emmy. Like, we got nominated for seven Emmys. I mean, it's over the last number of years. It's it's kind of crazy. I mean, who would ever thought, think that an obstacle course show would be on NBC in prime time? So talk about a reach. Uh, what a And what a blessing that show is for me, especially for a sports guy and an entertainment guy. It's like the blending of both of my worlds. So I have so much fun making it. You believe in that word reach, don't you? Because, I mean, the, the way you I, speak of it, I mean, it's in your soul deeply. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> and unfortunately, it is. You know, sometimes you got to, you know, you got to celebrate the now, you know, and not to look too far into the future. That's been the one thing that I've, if I could talk to my younger self, that's the one thing that I would say to myself. I'm a lot better than I was when I, you know, when I was younger, when I was in my 20s, when I was always kind of look, planning and looking ahead. Because mm -hmm. you have to, you know, you have to enjoy the now while you're, while you're looking ahead. And there's a danger that if you're, uh, if you're, you know, overly ambitious, you may, you may, you may, you may forget. And you should celebrate the stuff that you're doing now. And like I said, I, it's something I have to work at. I'm much better at. But yes, I do believe in the power of reach. Yes, I, I believe when you reach. It's the if when when you reach. You have a chance of filling your potential. That's yeah. the only chance. Yeah. Actually, it's the only chance you have it filling your potential. Yeah. Did Van Gogh visit you in a dream? Because that quote that you start this book <laughs> off, man, I'm telling you, it is going to change my life forever. I love that you put it in there. Yeah, you know, it's funny. It was the perfect quote. You know, I, 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 um, you know, so much of uh, listen. I'm, I'm a big uh, reader, and you know, I love nonfiction books and i stumbled upon this quote i honestly i don't even remember where it was because it was years ago but essentially it says that you know you know you you, you know i i can't even remember it off by heart but uh but essentially it's like you when you reach you find out uh, when you reach for, uh, when you reach for something that's beyond your grasp you actually find out sometimes you actually find out you can actually do it yeah and and that's um, you surprise yourself. <laughs> you got to come back to this show anytime in the future. The door is always going to be open for you, Arthur. 
Thank you so much. And and what is it about the name Arthur Smith? Because here in the South, Arthur Smith is a legendary name because he was one of the the, the creators of, of of country music. That's yes, I'm I'm aware. I'm aware. <laughs> and and you know, there, you know, I am not the only Arthur Smith. There's another Arthur Smith who's the co- who's the coach of the Atlanta Falcons. And and it's funny because there was I, I work with I work with the NFL right now. We do the Pro Bowl games for the NFL, which mm-hmm. is the skills competition with the NFL. And the other day I was calling an executive at the NFL and I said, just tell him it's Arthur Smith going in. And he's, he, you know, he, he started asking, what am I going to do with my quarterback? And I was like, uh, <laughs> you got the wrong Arthur Smith. I'm the Arthur Smith who's producing the Pro Bowl games for you, not the one who's coaching the Falcons. Dude, you have a brilliant day today, okay? Okay, thanks so much. Thank you.